I like to think of our meditation uh, as a guided meditation, that all of our meditation is a guided meditation in which we're guiding our own meditation. We're guiding our own meditation. Uh, it's really essential in terms of learning how to develop your meditation and develop the qualities that we're seeking to develop in meditation, which are essentially the qualities of concentration, of jhana, of ease, of pleasure, of tranquility. Uh, it's really essential that we learn to guide ourselves through our meditation. We're learning as Dharma students to guide ourselves through our meditation. Uh, and in doing so, we're also learning to guide ourselves through our lives. We often say meditation is practice. We call it practice. You know, it's really practice in living uh, and in learning to guide ourselves through our meditation we're learning in turn to guide ourselves through life. Because this is what we have to do in our lives. This is what we have to do in our lives. We have to guide ourselves through our lives. We have to guide ourselves through our lives. Uh, and you know, the way that you do that is you have to use your thinking. You have to use thinking. Uh, thinking is a tool. Thinking is a tool. It's a very useful tool and it can lead us to true happiness in this life. If we don't learn to use it skillfully, it can lead us, as you all undoubtedly are very much aware of, to great suffering. So in the meditation, we're learning to use thinking. The technical term, of course, is internal verbal fabrication. We're learning to use thinking uh, to uh, guide ourselves through the meditation so that we can attain beneficial qualities of concentration and insight. Uh, but we're also just learning, we're practicing, we're learning to use thinking in the service of being able to guide ourselves through not just meditation, but to guide ourselves through life. So just like in meditation, uh, we need to guide ourselves uh, and, and be proactive in that effort uh, through the obstacles that arise in meditation. Yeah. I mean, if you think about that, if you're listening to a guided meditation, I mean, ostensibly, the person who's guiding the meditation could say, watch out for obstacles. But that person, she doesn't know when you're reaching obstacles and she doesn't know what your obstacles are and everybody's obstacles are a little different and they arise at different times. You know, we need to guide ourselves through those experiences of difficulty and challenge in the meditation and learn to use the mind to find a way around and through those obstacles. And we need to learn to do the same thing in life. Now, of course, the Buddha gives us different uh, ways of working with obstacles in meditation and working with obstacles in life, but it's up to us to do that, to do that. You know, it's, it's often said, you know, the Buddha's awakening solved the Buddha's problem. You know, you have to solve your own problem. I mean, he gives you some suggestions and ways to do that, but you have to learn to guide yourself through life. In meditation, 
We learn to use our thinking to, uh, to, uh, to practice and to be in the meditation and to move through this process of meditation and take this action of meditation wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. So, you know, we're using our ability to think and, and through this process, process of guiding ourselves through the meditation, we are uh, uh, learning how to take this action wholeheartedly. You know, it's the same exact thing that we have to do as we go throughout our days. So, you know, we like to say meditation is proactive. It's proactive. You're proactively guiding yourself through the half hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is, or whatever time that you're putting into the meditation. Uh, and I, it's really important, and, and, and things really tr changed a lot for me in my own meditation practice when I came to understand that meditation is an action. It's an action that I'm taking. And I need to learn how to take this action of meditation skillfully. Uh, and in part, what that means is applying the technology that the Buddha gives us, the steps of breath meditation. And in large part, it means uh, practicing the meditation wholeheartedly. And again, that's a proactive process. That's something that you have to uh, you have to learn to develop uh, that quality of wholehearted intention uh, that supports wholehearted action. One of the ways that we uh, have been talking about that in, in recent weeks is thinking about the meditation as a giving, as a giving, as an act of generosity. And of course, generosity uh, when it's skillful, skillful giving is wholehearted. It's wholehearted giving. It's giving that's coming out of compassion. So the thinking of the meditation as a process of giving. I'm giving myself to the meditation. I'm giving uh, my full attention to the meditation. I'm giving my energy to the meditation. I'm giving my heart to the meditation. I'm giving my heart to the meditation. I'm practicing wholeheartedly. You know, it's, it's a proactive process. It's a proactive process. Sometimes you hear people talk about meditation as a receiving. It's a very Western, you know, kind of a new age way of thinking about meditation. I'm receiving my experience. It's not really how the Buddha describes meditation. It's a proactive process. You're shaping your experience through using internal verbal fabrication, through guiding yourself, using your mind uh, in a skillful way, aligning yourself with certain governing principles that the Buddha gives us and the potentials of your heart and mind. Uh, you're guiding yourself through your meditation. You're not just receiving your experience. You're shaping your experience. So in meditation, we're learning to give ourselves fully and wholeheartedly. We're making our way through the meditation, uh, making our way through the meditation uh, and doing that wholeheartedly practicing from the heart. So 
one of the ways that that's characterized in the teachings is that there's this quality of ardency. There's this quality of ardency. Uh, ardency is, uh, uh, you know, this effort that we're making, this uh, quality of stick to that we're showing throughout the course of the meditation. Uh, it's a quality of effort that's informed by compassion and wisdom. It's a quality of effort that's informed by compassion and wisdom. So ardency means staying with it and continuing to use directed thought and evaluation in our meditation. Uh, but there's also included in this quality of ardency uh, this uh, sense of uh, what's important, this sense of purpose that, uh, that enables us to uh, have a relationship to the things that might want to carry us away from the present moment. And generally in the meditation, that's the thinking. Uh, so this quality of ardency, when it's developed, enables us to not give in to the thinking, not give in to what takes us away from the task at hand. When there's ardency, we know the importance of the task at hand. We know the importance of the meditation. So the thoughts come up that may seem so vital, you know, the Super Bowl or whatever. And you know, when there's ardency, there's this quality of, no, this is important. This is important. It's important that I stay with the breath. I'm doing this because I have a wish to be happy. This is leading me to a greater happiness. This is leading me to an alleviation of suffering. So that quality really has to be there in the meditation. That quality of ardency is really what keeps you on the breath. You know, and when thoughts arise that seem so important, is there going to be a baseball season? You know, it's like, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to, this is a sports motif uh, today. Uh, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. We understand, we know, the importance of the task at hand, uh, and in turn we give ourselves fully to the task at hand. So there's a sense of priority. We give priority to the breath, even though all these other things may be vying for our attention in the meditation, right? There's all these things that are vying for our attention. But there's a sense of priority. So, you know, we're really asked to ask the question in our practice, what are our priorities? What are our priorities? And we're learning to develop our priorities. In the meditation, we're learning to give ourselves fully to the meditation, to give priority to the meditation, to the breath, to the development of uh, the easeful breath, to the cultivation of the body. We're giving priority, we're giving priority to the meditation. And on a more global sense, if you will, uh, we learn as Dharma students to give priority in general to our meditation practice, right? We give a certain amount of priority to our, our sitting practice or in our walking, our formal walking practice that I encourage everybody to do every day. So, um, prioritizing meditation in terms of my to-do list, in terms of my life. Uh, 
I'm saying this is a priority. I'm going to put time into this meditation practice. We suggest in terms of making your meditation practice a priority, practicing every day, putting a certain amount of time into it every day. We suggest uh, you know, doing some longer practice if you have, uh, you're fortunate enough to be able to do that. But certainly that daily uh, practice is a priority. That becomes a priority for us. We practice because this is important, because this is going to lead us, you know, I mean, and, and really in, in, in order for meditation to really become a priority, really for it to become a priority, uh, you know, there has to be a real sense of purpose, right? You know, this is a priority and I'm putting the time into it because this is something I'm going to do that's going to help me alleviate suffering and know a greater happiness and find true happiness in this life. So there's other things that I could be doing. Because anytime, you know, when we talk about priority and, and, make, and, and seeing what our priorities are, uh, it's always a question of what am I going to give my time and my attention to uh, and what that always is going to mean in this life, given uh, the limited amount of time that we have, is, is, is what am I going to give my time and attention to at the expense of something else. So, you know, if we give priority to meditation, that means there's something else that we're not going to do. You know, we don't like that idea. But that's something that's really important to, you know, in terms of uh, developing our spiritual maturity to understand. You know, it means it means giving up something else. It means giving up something else if we're going to put some priority into the meditation. So we learn to give priority to the practice, and then as Dharma students, we're involved in this process of giving priority to the Dharma to the Dharma as a way of life, as a way of life. So we often talk about sort of this dichotomy between the Dharma, the Buddha's Dharma, and the Dharma of the world, you know, following the ways of the world, looking for happiness and sense pleasure and gain and material things and status and praise. You know, we put a lot of attention into looking for happiness in the ways of the world and the different sense pleasures uh, etc., the pleasures of the world. Uh, but as Dharma students, we're involved in this process of uh, giving priority to the Dharma, this way of life, this way of life. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of life. Which means that, you know, if we're going to give priority to the Dharma, it means giving up some other things. It means giving up some other things. So being a Dharma student uh, is a process. It's a process. It's a process of, uh, you know, if we want to move towards a greater happiness and an alleviation of suffering, it's a process of gradually deepening our priorities, you know, that the Dharma becomes more and more of a priority. The Thai Ajans often will say uh, certain things along the lines of, uh, you know, don't worry about trying to get other people to practice. Worry about getting yourself to practice. 
worry about getting yourself to practice. It's a very Western thing, you know, people come to the Dharma, they learn meditation and they want to tell everybody and I'm going to start a center and let me tell everybody and let me get everybody else to do this. Don't worry so much about getting other people to do it. Get yourself to do it. It's kind of what we do. It's kind of what we do. You know, the Taya Johns would say, you know, we tend to get very focused on the ways that others are causing harm. You know, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be, uh, uh, you know, concerned with the way that other beings cause harm. There's a lot of harm that's being caused in the world, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do something about it. But, you know, really try to focus on the way that you're causing harm. You know, that's our, that's job one. That's job one. If everybody was prioritizing the way that they're causing harm, and the effort that you can make not to cause harm, the whole world would be different. You know? The whole world would be different. So we have to really, you know, our tendency is look at what this one is doing, look at what that's doing, how about what we're doing? You know? That's our priority. That's our priority. So what are our, our priorities? Can we make meditation more of a priority? Can we make Dharma practice more of a priority? Can we make Dharma practice more of a priority? Because I think when we think about making our practice more of a priority, we tend to think just about the meditation, and it's, okay, I'm going to meditate 10 more minutes. You know? I mean, that's great. I mean, that's great if you want to say, all right, I'm going to make my meditation more of a priority and practice 10 more minutes. But, you know, there's a lot more to being a Dharma student. You know, there's a lot more to being a Dharma student. Uh, can we give, can we make Dharma practice more of a priority? All the elements of being a Dharma student, practicing generosity, practicing non-harming, practicing renunciation, practicing heedfulness and taking skillful action. Practicing mindfulness of thinking, practicing mindfulness of our aversion and our desire in all postures. Can we make the heart more of a priority? I mean, it all comes down to that. Can I make the heart more of a priority? You know, our priority, I mean, that's a great way to think about it. I mean, you have to kind of translate that out into what that looks like into your day-to-day -day schedule. But can we make the heart more of a priority? I mean, that's really the question that I ask, you know, it's sort of like, what are my priorities? You know, there's a lot of things that I could be doing, you know, are they in support of the heart? Or am I better off doing something that's in support of the heart? To what extent is the heart our priority? So, one of the ways that I've always talked about this over the years, uh, and I think it's a very useful way, you know, and a practical and realistic way to think about it, is in terms of a gradual shifting of priorities. So many of you have heard me say that, uh, you know, maybe we start off with, uh, you know, 90% uh, of our 
priority in terms of our time and our attention in our life goes into the different things of the world, and maybe 10% goes into our Dharma practice. 90-10. Maybe you're at 90-10. You have to kind of see where you're at. Can you shift that? Now, we tend to think, well, I'm at 90-10. I need to, I need to make it 90% Dharma practice. And no. Can you shift it to 80-20? Can you shift it to 80-20? I was going to call this talk 80-20. Can you make it 80-20? Can you shift 10%? Can you shift 10%? Can you shift 5% if 10% seems too much? I mean, that's the way to think. So that's, that's something you can reflect on. In the notes for today, it's mostly reflections. That's something you could reflect on. What would it mean to shift my priorities 10% in the direction of my Dharma practice? Which means cutting out 10% of other stuff. What other stuff? You're going to have to cut out something else. You have to start cutting things you know, so that you can put more time and effort and priority on the Dharma. So can we shift 10%? Can we shift 10%? And what would that mean? What would that mean? Giving more priority to my sitting practice, to my meditation practice, some aspect of my Dharma practice? How can I give more priority to my Dharma practice? How can I give more of a priority to the heart? Now, I was going to say, you know, when I give a talk like this, there's probably a lot of objection that arises in the mind. Then I was just thinking, when I give any talk, there's probably a lot of objection in the mind. But, uh, uh, you know, the, when we start to think about this, we start to think about our priorities, there's going to be voices of objection. Now, first of all, there's this the culture. What do you mean you're going to spend, you're going to go on that retreat? Are you crazy going on a retreat? You know, I mean, think about anybody here who's been around practice for a while has heard, you know, the voices out in the world, you know, there's going to be voices in the world because this is going against the ways of the world. So there's always going to be voices of the culture that may be embedded in our minds or that, uh, you know, that we just hear that are just part of the, the ether, you know. Uh, and then there's voices of those beings who are near and dear to us, friends and family. You know? What do you mean you're going to give up golf? You know, that, was, that was one that I had about 20 years ago. You mean you're not going to play golf anymore? Well, I don't really have time, you know, if I really want to be a good Dharma student to put all this time at, at the driving range. You know, I won't go into a whole disquisition on that. You know, and of course, ultimately, it's the voices in your own mind. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to make this a priority. So, you know, those voices are going to be there. As Dharma students, our job is to see those voices and learn to put them to the side. Because the voices are going to be there. You, know, you can't move forward without acknowledging the voices uh, and learning how to put them to the side. You know, can't move forward without putting uh, the voices to the side and putting things to the side. You know, the Buddha said, you know, 
this is a path that isn't for everybody. Most people will go along with the culture, will go along with the ways of the world. That's the first category. The second category are, the, are those who start to go against the ways of the culture, but it's painful and it's difficult. It's not easy. It's not easy to shift your priority. The third category, I mean, if this is the, you know, once you begin to learn how to do that skillfully, then it's incredibly joyful. You know, but you're going to go through this period of change and where you're putting things to the side and letting go of things. You think the Buddha's family liked it when, when he went off to become the Buddha? You know, there were tears in their face, it says in the teachings. It's very difficult. And we're, and that's a, a, a great story, you know, but we have our own little stories that we go through every day as we shift our priorities more to the heart, more to the heart. So just as always, the Dharma talk is food for thought. You know, what, is, what are my priorities? Can I shift my priorities? Can I deal with those voices in the world and in the mind? Can I make a 10% shift? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to accomplish? These are the questions that the Dharma student has to ask. You know, what do I want to accomplish in this life? What's important? Again, as the Thayajans say, you know, how am I spending my time? I have a limited amount of time. Time is limited. How am I going to spend it? What's the best use of my time? What's the best use of my time? How am I going to prioritize this little bit of time? You have a little bit of time. Some of us have less than others. We, none of us really know how much time we have. You know, you get to be in the senior citizen category. You know, you realize that it's, you know, I'm not going to live 35 more years. You know, some of you are. You know, uh, very unlikely. I will anyway. You know, I've got this little bit of time left. How do I want to spend it? How am I going to prioritize my time? How am I going to prioritize my time? What's important? What's important? What are my priorities? Can the Dharma be more of a priority? Can the heart be a greater priority? Let's just close our eyes just for a second. <clears throat> 